Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Two years ago, only 10 days after a gunman shot and killed 22 people in Nova Scotia, there was an important phone call. It was between senior RCMP officials involved in the criminal investigation of the shooting and RCMP commissioner Brenda Lucky. On the call was Superintendent Darren Campbell. After the conversation, he noted that Commissioner Lucky was upset. She had wanted them to release information about the types of firearms the gunman had used because, according to Campbell's notes, Lucky had, quote, promised the Minister of Public Safety and the Prime Minister's office, end quote. His notes also allege the commissioner explained that the release of these details was, quote, tied to pending gun control legislation, end quote. Those details about the guns weren't released at the time. And the notes raising questions about political interference were only released last month. There is a pattern, it seems to me, and seems to a lot of people, where the government generally, and the prime minister in particular, feel that they're not bound by the same rules that others are bound by. Globe columnist Andrew Coyne is here to discuss why politicians shouldn't even come close to interfering in police investigations and why it's not the first time that Justin Trudeau's governing liberals have been accused of this kind of interference. This is The Decibel. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure. I think this is the first time we're having you on The Decibel. Is that right? Surely not. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you could be here today. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I want to see if we can start, if you can just very, very briefly describe for us the specific allegations made against RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky, uh, and by extension, the federal government, that we learned from notes taken by an officer named Darren Campbell. What were those specific allegations? The specific allegation is that she said to him and to others on a conference call that she had made promises and or was under pressure to and from the uh, members of cabinet, the public safety minister, former public safety minister, Bill Blair in particular, and the prime minister or prime minister's office, that the RCMP would release the details of what guns the shooter used in the that terrible mass uh, murder in Nova Scotia. Hmm. And the local police officers didn't think much of this proposal in that they thought this would compromise the investigation. They were trying to nail down where he got these guns illegally, as it turned out. But whether or not they were right in that estimation, the issue is you don't want political ministers, you don't want leaders of government to be interfering in, for any reason, good or bad, to be interfering in the the particulars of a police investigation. And that is the allegation here, is that there was political pressure for the police to to pursue a particular strategy or tactic in that investigation. And there's very well-worn reasons why that we don't want that to be happening in a democracy. Hmm. We've also heard from someone named Leah Scanlon, who's the former director of, of strategic communications for the RCMP in Halifax. What did we learn from her specifically about the accusations against Commissioner Lucky? What she did is, first of all, backed up his recollection of that conversation. And she did that in a letter that she wrote to the RCMP commissioner 
Uh, but what she also did was talked about it more generally that there'd been a lot of back and forth and a lot of pressure, not just on this particular issue. Mm-hmm. And by her account, and this was in a uh, an interview that she had with the Commission of Inquiry that's looking into this uh, earlier this year, she, by her testimony to that in, to that inquiry, said we were being told all kinds of things about what we could and couldn't say, uh, and there was a lot of pressure, specifically from the then public safety minister, Bill Blair. So mm-hmm. she has both corroborated Darren Campbell's uh, evidence, but also expanded it into other areas that that it seemed like boundary lines were not being uh, respected generally. Why are we only learning about this now, more than two years <laughs> after the shooting in Port happened, more than two years after this call happened? Why is all this stuff coming out at this point? It's partly because, you know, they had to set up this commission of inquiry and it's taken a long time to get, get up and running. But beyond that, there's been this strange reluctance or gap anyway in the time between when the information was requested and when it was finally produced and when they did give them the pages of, of Darren Campbell's notes. They they sent them 132 out of 136 pages. The four pages that they left out that were only provided much later were the four pages in which he talks about the alleged uh, pressure on the RCP commissioner and her relating that to the conference call. That seems awfully suspicious. No? It certainly does. I mean, you know, maybe it's a giant coincidence. <laughs> you always have to make allowance for that. But it adds to the, obviously adds to the question surrounding this. Did Darren Campbell just make this up? Uh, did he just imagine this? Did he just get the wrong idea? Did did the commissioner, did she get the wrong idea from the conversation she had with ministers? All these things are possible, but I would say unlikely. You know, he mentions it twice in his notes that she said this, that she made these promises to the PMO and to the minister. So, you know, it just makes it seem unlikely. And when you see these gaps in the evidentiary record, it, it raises further questions. And it just means we need to get all of these people under close questioning to ask them what on earth was going on. What was your reaction, I guess, to this this news when you first heard it? Uh, deja vu would be the first, uh, I guess, mm. expression, because... Uh, if you'll cast your mind back to the SNC-Lavalin affair, the, the allegation which turned out to be true there, though it was denied at first, was that there was an extensive campaign of pressure on a federal cabinet minister, the attorney general at the time. Jody Wilson-Raybould. Jody Wilson-Raybould to interfere with and, and lean on the director of prosecutions, who's supposed to be an independent officer, to dispose of a particular criminal case, the case involving SNC-Lavalin in a particular way, to offer them what was called a deferred prosecution agreement. So we've got essentially three people here that have been accused of, of potentially interfering. We've got Commissioner Lucky, Bill Blair, a former minister of public safety, and Justin Trudeau, the prime minister. Have any of them responded to the allegations? Yes. Uh, and there's been denials all around of varying degrees of um, forthrightness, shall we say. So the RCMP commissioner, for example, has denied being pressured and has denied interfering. She has not denied the specific question of, did she say the things that she's alleged to have said? So, you know, I know in this business, maybe we're sometimes a little too suspicious, but but maybe we're not suspicious enough often as well, that you really do have to parse these denials sometimes pretty carefully. Uh, the prime minister said, uh, well, there was no undue pressure uh, put up on her. Now, Un- undue pressure. Undue pressure. Now, okay. now, again, to be fair, and with any other person, you might say, well, okay, that was just a figure of speech, a, a turn of phrase, didn't mean anything. When we've had evidence in the past that he's tended to parse his 
his denials very carefully, then again, you tend to look at that carefully. But I wouldn't want to put too much on that. It's just you just throw that in the hopper with everything else surrounding this case, you know, begging a lot of questions. The most, I would say, the most forthright denials have come from Bill Blair, who has said, uh, I didn't interfere. I didn't cross any lines. I, you know, I didn't do any of it. But as I say, if he's telling the truth, then either the commissioner of RCMP or the two RCMP officers who were on that conference call and heard this stuff, they're either lying or they're delusional or they misinterpret it. Since I don't think anybody wants to claim that, that the RCMP commissioner is delusional or, or lying, then mm-hmm. I think that's probably where we're headed in this. To be clear, what? why exactly is this a problem? Why does it matter if the federal government did try to interfere here? So the way that we do these things generally is we pass the laws because those are out in the public. We can see whether we agree or not with a law that Parliament has passed, a policy that the government has enacted for how the police should go their business. That's all out in the open. Then people can debate them back and forth. We set up these kind of silos. And one of the reasons we wall off the operational things is that's not out in the open. That's kind of in the back room somewhere. And we never want there to be a situation, as I say, where where you know people in power get to decide who goes to jail, you know, or who gets a, gets who gets accused, or who gets charged, or who gets arrested? Those things we keep a, a thousand miles away from elected officers, and it is incumbent upon the people, the the public officeholders themselves, to make sure not only that that division is respected, but that it's seen to be respected. And this mm-hmm. is why this business of gray areas and well, they misinterpreted is kind of a bit bogus. Is it's their job not to go near that line. Can you just spell it out for us, Andrew? Where should that line be? Because it's also interesting to to realize that the commissioner of the RCMP, Brenda Lucky, like that's a political appointment. So where is this line here? Well, the line is that they should that there should be nothing resembling to, to either the chief of police or to the police in general, uh, nothing resembling a direction on a on an operative on a particular police investigation on an operative matter like that. Now, I, I grant there's some wiggle room, some some uh, debate about, you know, where, where is the line between a, an operational matter and a broad question of policy. But I fall back on this point of it's on the public office holder to make sure that they're nowhere near that line. So maybe there is a little bit of gray here and there in those lines. You shouldn't even be in that gray zone. You should be taking great care not to be doing anything resembling. So if Let's say the RCMP commissioner mistakenly got the impression that they were pressuring her to, to tell her subordinates to release this information to the public about the guns. Mm-hmm. Well, unless she's completely delusional, that's not on her. That's on them. They should never put her in a position of where she would have taken that, you know, where she could have got that impression. If they were having conversations with her that were close enough to that line uh, that she got that impression, then they'd already crossed the line. You've been covering Canadian politics for a while, Andrew. I, I wonder, have there been times that you can recall when the RCMP in the past maybe seemingly caved to political to political pressure? Well, this is this is the other one of the other bits of context to this whole case is, you know, one would hope. So I've been talking about the situation as it should be. Mm-hmm. And one would hope that we would live in a country where it was never even a question whether the police were acting under instructions or under the influence of uh, the prime minister or the top uh, political leadership at the time. Remember, you know, Richard Nixon did a lot of bad things in Watergate, but the thing he really went up the river for was messing with the FBI. We have not, in our country, unfortunately, uh, we do not have that rock-solid assurance. Over the years, over the decades, 
there have been instances where the RCMP was at least suspected of uh, acting under the influence uh, of the prime minister of the day. Now, this was maybe in decades past when these things were not as tightly enforced as they might have been or where, you know, in the days of the Cold War, maybe people felt there was some kind of national security imperative. It's one of the reasons why we hived off uh, CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, from the RCMP was to take that I mean, national security is so overloaded with policy implications that to take that away from, get that, you know, separated off from the RCMP, from the from the domestic policing was thought to be a good idea. It's hmm. really interesting context to keep in mind, actually, when we're looking at this situation now with with Commissioner Brenda Lucky. It's certainly looking like there's there's the, the, the possibility of some ethically questionable beha- behavior here by the liberals. But I guess the, the question I think some people might wonder, though, is it is it really that wrong if if the end goal here was was gun control, which, you know, hopefully is going to save lives hmm. in the long run? First of all, there's questions about whether the, the the particular regulations that were brought in would be that effective. We can leave all that to one side. But some ends justify some means, but we should be really careful about, you know, when we go down that road. You know, we can have strong, I'd like to see as strong gun control as we possibly can in this country, but we can do that without compromising police investigations. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you did mention the SNC-Lavalin scandal and the, the situation with then-Justice um, Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould. Uh, is this kind of a pattern, I guess, that we're seeing, or at least some instances that are happening with this government um, being repeated? Well, sure. And there, there was the We Charity affair, and there's this strange business with the, uh, the two scientists in the Winnipeg lab- Laboratory who were dismissed under mysterious circumstances where there's the issue itself of what was going on in these cases, but the default of this government always seems to be to to stonewall and to shut down committees and to refuse to release documents that are legitimate prerogative of parliament to demand, uh, and in some cases, basically to lie or, or to, to tell half-truths or to blame it on the civil service. So there is a pattern, it seems to me, and seems to a lot of people, where the government generally, and the prime minister in particular, feel that they're not bound by the same rules that others are bound by. And whether that's just kind of a, a, a pure kind of sense of entitlement uh, that we've seen from liberal governments in the past, and that comes from being in power for too long, frankly. Uh, so whether it's that or whether it's with this particular uh, new generation of liberals where they are very invested in their own virtue, and in their own um, superior morals. And, and you know, if there's a knock against this government, it's that it can, it can be a little bit preachy, uh, a, a little bit uh, uh, high on its own moral fumes. And uh, that can lead you to, to assume, well, I, I can't have done anything wrong because I had the best of intentions. I, I, I was trying to do good. Hmm. And in my experience, you know, people do the worst things for the best reasons. They, the, it's the people who are convinced that they are, trotting the path of righteousness who who are the ones you really want to be careful about. <laughs> hmm. These questions of interference, though, they, they can't be unique just to the Liberal Party, though, right? No, and, and uh, that's right. And and part of that is just the temptation of power. That is, it happens, as I say, the Liberals tend to be in power more often, so it hmm. will come up more with them. When the Conservatives are in power, and we saw this with, with Stephen Harper, it's, it's, they wind up doing some of the same things, but I think for different reasons. So liberals do it because they can. Uh, they can get away with stuff, and they always have. Tories do it because they say, well, we have to level the playing field. Everything's stacked against us. You know, the, the media are against us, and the bureaucracy's against us, and the courts are against us. And, and I think they internalize an attitude that says, well, we have to cut some corners 
just to get a fair shake. Uh, you know, everything, we, we have to, I mean, Harper ran this incredibly tightly controlled operation. Uh, 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 I think because of that, it was, it was, you know, I have to have complete power because otherwise the, the, the wolves will descend on us and, and devour us. Hmm. Yeah. Before I let you go, Andrea, let's, let's just bring it back to, to the issue at hand here. Um, later this month, there will actually be a parliamentary hearing that's that's going to look at what happened on this this phone call that we talked about at the very beginning, um, the one that took place in April 2020. Commissioner Lucky has been called to to testify. What should we watch out for when, when that happens? Well, I think it will be a good opportunity to get her specifically on the record about did she say the things that she is alleged to have said? If she, as I would imagine, confirms that she did say those things, then it's going to be the question of interpretation is, why did you say that? Did you, you know, what, what gave you the impression? Why did you believe that you were under this pressure uh, or why did you make these promises? Um, and I would really like to see, you know, Bill Blair uh, before then and frankly, Justin Trudeau uh, and anybody else that she names as, as or she having had conversations with. Um, uh, that that this is of sufficient seriousness. You know, messing around with a criminal investigation uh, is about as serious as it gets. Maybe not as serious as SNC Lavalin, but it's getting up there. Uh, and what I would really hope does not come the case is, and you see some of this online as of people saying, and your, your questions were kind of trying to get at this, is people saying, well, it's a big deal. It's all oh, they messed around with the investigation. They're in power. They get to do what they want. We need to have these kinds of bright lines and we need to have these these investigations so as to sharpen up those lines and make those lines harder to cross next time. We don't we don't want to make it easy for those lines to be crossed. We want to make it hard and painful anytime anytime anybody dares. We want this to be a an electric fence, you know, that you, you, you step, you touch it and you go, ah, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it gives you a short, sharp shock. But if the liberals can survive the SNC scandal, the, the We Charity scandal, uh, why why would this be any different? Do you think this is going to have an impact? You know, they took a beating for both of those. It did hurt them. Uh, they didn't lose power over it, but they lost a lot of support. And it contributed to a general impression that maybe these weren't the, the high-minded idealists that people thought they were when they were first elected. So it definitely has tarnished their, their image, and they paid a price for it. Uh, maybe you can argue they didn't pay enough of a price for it, but uh, you know any election has a number of different issues that people are trying to balance when they're weighing who to vote for, and these are complicated questions. But obviously, it'll depend in part on what comes out of any investigation on this. But uh, but let the chips fall where they may. The, the main thing is to get the truth out. Andrew, it was great chatting with you. Thank you for being here today. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.